Hello and welcome to the Creating Chances podcast. Here at Creating Chances, we are a for-purpose social enterprise that aims to empower and create opportunities for young people through our evidence-based best practice programs. Through the transformational stories and lived experiences of educators, leaders, and professionals on this show, this podcast will inspire, advise, and empower those who are seeking to help create positive change within the young people of today. On today's show, we have Paul linking up with Alex Brosk. Alex is a recently retired professional footballer who is the most capped player for Sydney FC. The two discuss how football became a passion from a very young age for Alex, what it means to forge your own path in life, and the work Alex is currently doing in his post-playing life through Common Goal and Football United. Enjoy the episode. Alex Brosk, how are you, mate? I'm good, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, it's, it's really great to have you on. It's pretty exciting. I don't really get to speak to some high-profile people like you, so I'm pretty keen to get started <laughs> into this chat. So, um, yeah, we'll get, we'll get started, eh? There's so much to talk about, you know, beginning with your career, the accolades and the championships. But, you know, before we get into all of that, I'd like to, you know, bring us back a little bit. You know, maybe you could chat about your um, upbringing and, you know, your, your time in Australia to begin with. Um, yeah, so I, I grew up um, in Australia. I was born here. My parents are both, um, both Uruguayan, so they, they came um, to Australia when they were both quite young, about 14, 15 years old. Um, part of a large sort of, uh, you know, community of, um, of South Americans and Uruguayans in particular that came over around that, that same time uh, to Australia. And, um, yeah, I mean, I guess, uh, look, both, both of them were, were, uh, were, you know, hardworking parents. I guess we grew up in, um, in Canley Heights for the first few years. Then we moved out to Bosley Park. Um, and then lived there until I moved out of home, but always, uh, always sort of been out in, in the western suburbs of Sydney, grew up out there, still live out here. Um, and yeah, I mean, my dad being Uruguayan and being a, a footballer himself, um, as soon as I could throw on a pair of shoes and pair of boots and, and could run, <laughs> he, um, he got me into, into football. And um, look, it's a game that, that I grew up loving, have loved ever since. Um, and just, uh, yeah, back, especially when I was a kid, just couldn't get enough of it. So um, again, yeah, like I said, grew up in, in Western Sydney, went to schools out here and got a lot of, um, a lot of good friends and, and f- most of my family live out here as well. Um, and that's, yeah, where it all started and uh, yeah, still continues to happen for me. So you mentioned that your parents are Uruguayan. How is, um, I guess, being immigrants as well, I, I, I kind of relate to that because my parents are Filipino and they immigrated as well and I was born here. So how is that for them and, you know, growing up with, you know, just moving to Australia like that? Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely very tough for them. I mean, we, we still, um, in conversations, every, every now and then it'll sort of come up, things that they used to go through. And, um, you know, when they get together with friends, they talk about, you know, those 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 old days. And, um, look, it was definitely difficult for them. I mean, if, if for anyone, uh, if you sort of imagine just packing up and, and leaving home and, and starting a new life in a new country, it's always um, going to be a difficult situation. But... I think the idea was um, back then that Australia was providing a lot of opportunity and work for people and like I said a lot of um, South Americans in particular they, they came out here um, and, and thanks to Australia look they've got um, you know the, the wonderful lives and wonderful opportunities that they've had uh, been able to you know bring up their, their children in, um, in a beautiful country I mean I, I been around the world and I think that there's no place like Australia I think it's an incredible place it's a uh, 
um, in many ways, you know, in, in terms of opportunities, in terms of safety for kids. Um, there, there's so many good things about Australia that, uh, look, I consider myself lucky that they were able to come here, but it, it wasn't without a lot of sacrifice um, on their part. You know, they went to school, um, coming around 14, 15, not, low, not knowing a language, to have to um, go through all that. And it was very different as well. I, th I think because a lot of people were starting to come into Australia, it wasn't at that time as multicultural as what, what it is now. So now mm. um, it's normal. We've got so many different nations and um, people of different background living within within Australia that it's, it's normal. But back then it wasn't as such. So it was difficult for them, um, for sure. A lot of stories um, from mum and dad's side and, and all their friends. But um, look, I think it taught them uh, a lot of things and I think through hearing those stories it taught us a lot of things about the sacrifices that they made uh, coming over here and then makes you appreciate um, everything that we have and, and to not take things for granted and um, you know you mentioned Football United there and that, that was a big reason that I sort of joined on to them Football United is a program that um, you know helps kids of all backgrounds and, and in particular uh, immigrants and, and you know children of um, immigrant families and, and, and doing, using football to, to bring everyone together. And that was something that, um, you know, that I was able to connect with because of my, my parents coming here. Yeah, you mentioned your father putting on those boots on you as a young lad as soon as you could. And I'm just curious to know if there's any specific values your parents instilled with you um, that you'll never forget, you know? Um, I think just growing up and seeing them, I think as a, as a kid, you... Um, you learn off what you're seeing every day. And I think just my parents through, without so much, so many words and, and things that they would tell us, it was just seeing the way that they went about um, their life and how they brought us up, how they treated me, my brother, my sister, um, to see how hardworking they were. Um, and, and again, to see the sacrifices and hear about the sacrifices that they went to, I think it's, it's all those things that you just, um, as you start growing up, you, you learn and cherish and value yourself and then try and make that a part of who you are as a person. So, um, yeah, well, without any specific advice, it was just seeing the way that, um, you know, that, that we were brought up, the way they treated us, the way they instilled that sort of hardworking ethic and, and doing what you need to do to move your family forward and provide for your family um, while also being there. Uh, at important moments, I think it's it's those things that um, that have always stuck with me. Yeah, that's that's amazing, man. It's it's really um you know warming to hear that too. Just to, to hear that there were such role models for you and you just emulated that. Yeah, that's that's really awesome to hear. And I think they play a massive role in obviously the family and and raising young people like yourself. And to see where you are now, it's a testament to them, right? That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's nice. And look, no doubt they, they would be proud of um, all of us, you know, not not just that. I, I guess the football thing is, um, look, it's good. It gives, especially my old man who's so into football, it, it gave him um, a reason to go on the weekends and, and be able to watch <laughs> in front of, a, you know, incredible stadiums and, and uh, great crowds. It, it gave him something extra. But I think, look, I think just the way that the three of us turned out, um, is, uh, is rewarding itself for them and, and the fact that they see now us, each of us with our own kids, um, you know, starting to instill those, those values and, um, and things like them. I think that's, that's just as rewarding. I think, look, the football definitely, 
probably just an added little bonus that they were able to <laughs> be able to watch someone on TV and, and, and go to those games and, and have that side of it as well. Yeah, we'll get into the football, don't you worry. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I can imagine your dad probably just wanted to jump on the pitch every time he watched you play too, so <laughs> that's pretty awesome, man. I guess, um, so growing up, Broski, um, was football just life for you? Or, you know, were you dabbling in other sports as well? No, not really. Look, back, back when I was a kid... Um, it was just all football. I love football. I love watching it. I love playing. I, I couldn't get enough of it. If you know, it wasn't just going to training. It was playing at school with my friends at, at lunchtime. Any any spare minute we could, we'd get the ball out and go and play. I'd come home and it would be the same thing. So for me back then as a kid, I just I, I love football. You know, like like a lot of kids. I think it wasn't until I got a little bit older um, that I started to. Um, appreciate other sports a lot more started to enjoy watching other sports I enjoyed watching rugby league the NBA um, and playing a little bit of golf myself so yeah it wasn't until I got older and, and um, you know the pressures of football where you probably need another sport or something else to to release and, and enjoy yeah, definitely. I definitely resonate with the golf uh, aspect. The golf <laughs> clubs are right here, ready to go whenever they are, mate. So if you want to have a hit, you let me know. Absolutely. Surfing, <laughs> I, I can see the golf. board behind you. I'm not too yeah, good at that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll teach each other, huh? <laughs> so that's looking back at, you know, and considering all you've achieved, did you imagine you would have accomplished everything you've done so far? And was it always your goal to become a professional football player? No, not really. Look, for me, I think it was just a, a case of loving the game and, and just loving playing. I, I was always um, at my best and played my best when I was with a group of guys in my team that I enjoyed being around, you know, and, and that was the big thing for me. So it, it wasn't, I think every kid watches, you know, your Premier League and your World Cup and think about how incredible it would be to to play in one of those leagues and, and play professional football and have... Um, be able to do that as a as a job pretty much but I, it was never really I was never driven as a kid to make it so that was never um, something that I had it, it, it was just I loved playing the game I played it because I loved it and things just sort of flowed for me anyway um, from that you know I, I in my junior football I wasn't ever really in the in, in the top teams I was just in a, in, in, a, in a good team with good mates and and things just like I said as they started to get a bit more serious under 15s under 16s and then going into youth leagues it's sort of um, you know I started to develop as well I was always one of the smaller players so physically I always found it quite um, quite challenging and you know in Australia in particular we um, you know, I know things are changing now, but back then um, it was generally the quicker, stronger, faster kids that would um, that would that would make it and that would you know make the state teams and and be in the best teams. Um, very rare would you rarely would you find like a, a small guy um, in one of those teams. And and I think it wasn't until I started to uh, you know grow physically and, and develop that speed. Um, you know that I started to to see my full potential, and I guess I started to see the um, the fruits of all those all those things. So yeah, it was just a sort of like a natural thing for me. Whereas, like I said, I, I was never really that determined and and um, you know focused. I guess on like I want to be a professional football. I just played it because I loved it. Yeah, so I think the the passion just took you there, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I'm curious too, like. 
you know, were there any pressure from your parents to become a professional footballer? Because I remember your dad put on the boots, you know, you loved the game, but, or did they just, you know, support you and see your drive and talent and just support you whatever the way they could? Yeah, it was more, it was more just the support. Um, like I said, I was never really a, a standout, um, standout kid for, for my age, I guess. I mean, I, I, I could play, but, um, you know, probably no different to a lot of, um, and, and most of my teammates when I was, when I was a junior. So there was no pressure on me. I never felt pressure that I had to make it even as I progressed and started to get a bit older um, there was never um, and, and not for a, I guess a lack of expectation but I think look I think they just enjoyed the fact that I played the fact that I was active I wasn't at home you know playing computers all day I was out doing sport I was an active kid um, and and they loved having you know kids that were active and were participated in sport and they were able to go and watch. I mean, as a parent, that's that's what you 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 want to see and you want to you want to do. So I never felt any um, pressure from them to become a professional. Um, if anything, it was just to just to do something, do sport, play sport, play football. Um, and don't get me wrong. I mean, my old man would um, I could I could hear him every time he was on the sideline. But it was never <laughs> like once once we uh, once we came home and and after that again, it was never it was never about. Um, uh, about making it it was just ways of improving and helping my game and little things like that just to just to help me as a footballer as opposed to you know if you want to make it this is what you have to do you know yeah I think that pressure probably has a negative effect and the fact that it happens so naturally just I guess is another testament to where you are now and what you've achieved so yeah that's pretty interesting yeah it definitely can have a, a negative effect I know a lot of kids um, when I was growing up whose parents were just too full on and then you end up driving your, your child away from something that they start off loving and they they enjoy doing and then because of the pressures from their parents it, it drives them away you know they're almost scared to to do something wrong or scared to fail because they know the parent is going to be on on top of them and um yeah that can really have a, a, a negative effect so i think it's it's just finding a, pal- uh, a balance as a parent on on being supportive and and finding ways to help them improve with what they're doing but allowing them to enjoy it i think if as their kids that's all they need to worry about just enjoying um enjoying the game you've got kids of your own i know uh you're not you don't have any plans for them to be professional footballers in the future do you <laughs> well i tried with the uh the oldest one she uh, she came to one of the sydney fc holiday clinics when i was there training and um yeah yeah, she got kicked a few too many times. They didn't like it, so um, <laughs> she's gone over back to to dancing and gymnastics, and she tried that. And um, yeah, she the other two. I've got two other girls as well, and and they're the same. They they don't mind kicking the ball around a little bit at home, but um, I think they prefer you know the gymnastics and the uh, the dancing for now. So we'll see. We've got plenty of time we'll to convert see. them and bring them yeah. over. Yeah, <laughs> as long as they're happy, right? As you mentioned, well, exactly you know, enjoying right. it, enjoying exactly. it. That's it. So come to your you know your professional career uh, how old were you when it all started uh, who was it with and can you remember your first professional goal I can yeah I um I'd been at the AIS for a year and um I love my time there I, I don't think the AIS is still going or doesn't have a football program at the moment um which is a shame look for us back then and a lot of players back then um it was a real pathway and a and a step up to becoming a professional footballer. You went from training two, three times a week to pretty much every day, sometimes twice a day, gym sessions, individual sessions, 
it really got you prepared for what it was like to be a professional footballer. Um, so when that did happen for me, uh, the following year, I was, uh, I think, had just turned 18. Um, and back then there was no A-League. It was the the NSL, the old National League. And I came back and played for Marconi, who I grew up around the corner from the club and always wanted to play for that club. Played my juniors there with, with Southern Districts. Um, and when I came back, yeah, I, I, I loved it. The fact that I was there playing... Um, you know, for a team I grew up watching and, and wanting to play for was was incredible. I do remember my my first goal. It was I think two or three games in. Um, it was at Marconi as well, and we ended up winning the game one 0 I came on as a substitute. I think uh, with about twenty minutes to go, and then with about five minutes to go, I think I scored the uh, the goal. It was uh, yeah, the guy who passed me the ball, Angelo Costanzo. He went on to to play a lot of A League and and was a good mate of mine. Um, the ball, so he played a long ball over the top, and then it was uh, uh, me and Jake North, who had another very successful player, played for Australia and Newcastle Jets, played overseas. Uh, we sort of running shoulder to shoulder. I managed to just get in front of him, and then Clint Bolton, who I actually played many years with at Sydney FC, and another one who great, had a great career um, with my right foot, which was uh, uh, very, very rare, not just at that time, but for my entire career to score well with my right. Um, yeah, I touched the past him and we ended up winning 1-0 and it was, it was, yeah, it was a nice moment. And um, again, the fact that I look back at that and just see guys that I played with and had, um, you know, spent an entire career with, to see that sort of moment, it was a very special, very special goal. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. And for you to, you know, I guess it talks about your humility when you highlight your teammates <laughs> and that says a lot about your character, I think, so... We'll definitely get into that. Um, you know, you, you, you've won quite a few accolades over the years. You know, the Golden Boot, all-time scorer for Sydney FC. You know, all-time cap, most capped at Sydney FC. Our player of the season multiple times. Uh, I wanted to ask, what was, do you think is your greatest achievement in life? In life, so not just football. Yeah, I guess you could touch on both, right? Right, so, yeah, right, It's right. kind okay. of like a trick question almost. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I think, um, like I've mentioned in the past, like with, my, with my family and, and my parents, my upbringing um, and everything now, I think football and, and everything that, um, look, I was lucky enough to achieve is, is sort of a bonus for me. I just look at everything, that, everything I've been able to experience um, through football, but um, more so outside, I think, look, I, I had a lot of, difficult times as well when I was young, uh, moving overseas at a young age and throughout it all. Um, so I met my wife when we were about 19. We'd been family friends and grew up together uh, from about, you know, six, seven years old. Um, so I sort of look at just the way my life panned out, you know, and, and the fact that I was able to meet her at such a young age, know her family. Um, we got together pretty much just before my, my football career really sort of went um, into a, a professional um, level. We went overseas together and, and having her alongside me the whole, the whole time really, um, I, I find myself really lucky in that. I feel like it's not an achievement because it's not something I, I, I achieved in finding her, but I think in, in having her um, and having the kids and having the life that we had, I feel like that's um, in itself, in a, in a, in a way, um, my greatest achievement. You know, the fact that I was able to have football and, and not be um, steered down the wrong path growing up and in, in high school and, and, and with the wrong mates. I had a good group of mates growing up. We were all 
um, you know, fairly, um, I guess, similar with our football, our love for football, and we sort of grew up with that. Uh, we're still all close mates to this day. We've all got kids. We all still get together. So I think I think that side of it, just the family and just the life that I've been able to live in general, um, is probably my greatest achievement. I, I look at football as just, um, uh, yeah, a, an extra added sort of bonus that's been... Um, it's been good fun. It's had its ups. It's had its downs, um, but it's it's been incredible. The fact that I've been able to play until basically I decided to retire on on my own sort of terms, and when I'd had enough as well, all, all that like you need a lot of luck um, and good sort of fortune for things like that to happen. So that's I just look at that and just think I've been incredibly lucky, and and that's it. Yeah, hearing about you know your relationship with the friends that you have and you had and you still have. And you know the the way that they supported you, and even you know meeting your wife. And so, did your wife actually travel with you when you played overseas? Yeah, so we went away together when we were twenty. Um, so I played two years here in in the NSL, and then uh, we went away to Belgium for a year. Um, and then we came back. We went to Japan together, the UAE together. So we've um, yeah been sort of back and forth, but it all we have been together throughout it all. So. I'd, I'm wondering if if she wasn't with you, how do you think you would have coped? Would it have, did you have any struggles when you played overseas? Yeah, I reckon I would have been back after a month when I went <laughs> when I went the first time. It was it was tough. And look, I'm someone who's always been um, like very close with my family and my friends. And whenever I've been away, I've I've missed it incredibly. And it's been I look at players, especially from that generation, where going overseas. Um, was a necessity. You had to go overseas if you wanted to make it as a footballer. You couldn't really have a, you know, uh, make a, a, a living out of football um, playing in the old NSL. It was difficult. You had to go overseas if you wanted to make a real sort of living and earn proper money. Um, so it was sort of normal back then. And I look at the guys who did it and just for as long as they did it. And just the fact that, you know, I think we look at, say, that golden generation that we had where Bresciano, Grella, Kuehl, Cahill, all these guys, um, a lot of them went over when they were quite young and, and they didn't just go to the top leagues in the world. They had to battle and go through your lower leagues and playing, not playing, injuries, in form, out of form. They had to go through so much to eventually get to where they did at the later stages of their career and it takes a lot to do that. Not just ability, it takes mental, so much mental strength and um, that's the one part where I look at myself as a as a as a footballer and think I didn't I didn't have that I didn't have that um, that that drive and mental strength where when I was overseas to after that first year which wasn't um, it was it was difficult for me to just stay and say you know what um, if it's not working out here I'm going to another team I'll go to another league I'll, I'll, but I'm staying here and I'm going to make it I I never had that I was always at my best at when I was comfortable and, and happy you know and being happy meant being at home so I looked for any sort of real excuse after that first year overseas to to come back uh, come back home and the fact that the A-League was starting was um, look a bonus for me it allowed me to come back home play here for Queensland in the first uh, in the first season then come back to Sydney play here for a couple of years and then when I was more ready when in my mid-20s late 20s able to go overseas again and, and, and try it again but um, if not for her, I mean, like I said, after a week, I would have come straight back. So, <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there you go. That's actually great advice. The fact that, you know, if, if you're not either comfortable or happy with where you're at, then, you know, what's the point of being there? You know, it's just not, it's not good for you. So, yeah. And, and look, I think there's two to ways to look at it. I think that that's not mm. to say that these guys that went over there and stuck it out, that they weren't unhappy. There would have been some, you know, dark and hard times for them as well. Missing home. They were young. Um, but it's just that mental strength that, that they needed um, and they had actually to, to say, you know what? I'm not giving up. I'm going to keep. I'm going to keep at it. I'm going to keep going. So there's two. There's two ways at it. I don't think either mm-hmm. is um, the right way or the wrong way. I just think it depends on. It just shows that there's different different pathways, depending on your personality, depending on what sort of um, player you are, what sort of person you are, um, you know, and that total package that you need to be a, a, a world class footballer like these guys were um, requires that sacrifice and that commitment. And again, that's not to say that I didn't have sacrifice or commitment. It just means that, you know, that side of the game, that mental side um, that should have probably kept me over there, I didn't have. Um, And I needed to be comfortable to be playing well. If I wasn't happy, if I wasn't comfortable, then I wasn't playing well. So for me, Mm. it was more beneficial to come home, play in Australia um, and have my career, most of it anyway, here. I guess it's finding what's really truly important to you, what's right for you, and you know what's best for yourself when exactly it right. comes to you know choosing what you want for the future. And that's such great advice. Thinking about your, I guess, career at uh, Sydney FC, um, you became the captain of Sydney FC, and I was wondering what age were you when that happened, and can you tell us about the experience leading that team as the captain, and I guess how important leadership was for yourself. Yeah, I came back um, to Sydney, so I went to Japan, went to the UAE for a couple of years and spoke to Graham Arnold while I was over there, and he had just been appointed to coach. He um, was talking to me about coming home, and I was still undecided as to whether I would stay uh, for another year or two or, or, or come back. Um, and yeah, through speaking to him, I think eventually I made that decision to come back home for good. I think my children were starting to get to that age as well, where you know school be becomes a factor and, and um, you know, I didn't want to have them grow up where we're constantly moving and uh, going to different places. Um, I think I'd enjoyed the first few years of, you know, both of um, the first two uh, of my daughters, their lives, and then I thought it's time to go home and, and get settled. Um, so I think I was 30, 31, if I'm not mistaken, um, when I came back. And yeah, in the beginning, I just sort of came back and just got used to playing here again and just loving loving uh you know being back in australia and then arnie spoke to me about you know what i thought about being the captain and it was hard for me initially because i was never someone who saw myself as a leader you know i was someone who was happy to follow what everyone else said what the older guys said uh, i was a bit of a you know i liked mucking around and, and i was a bit of a joker all the time and and um you know i felt that it was important to um, try and not take things too seriously as often as possible. Well, you know, definitely knowing when they'll, you know, when you had to be serious and when not. Um, I was very much a joker within the teams that I played, um, so I just didn't know that being a captain was was for me. And I said that to, to Arnie, and um, you know, we had guys like Sasha Ognanovsky, Nikola Petkovic, guys who were older, more ex- more experienced, had done a lot more than me, and guys that when they spoke, I mean, everyone shut up and listened you know these guys were um, these guys were leaders and these guys were um, guys that I thought were what a captain should be so when I spoke to Arnie and and again 
told him about all my concerns and all of that. He he just said that, um, look, he he agreed with what I was saying, but he also felt that what I gave and, and my personality amongst the group and the fact that I was able to sort of bring together the young boys with the older boys through the way that I was and, um, and my personality, he felt that that was equally as important. Um, and he told me not to sort of doubt the ability that I had to, to get people to listen as well, you know, which is something I didn't think that I, that I had, but, um, apparently he saw it in me and, and, uh, he didn't want me to change anything. He said, just be the way you are. Um, I, I, I'm giving you the captaincy because, because of the way you are. So don't change anything. Just keep doing what you're doing. Um, and don't feel any added pressure. So that support that I had from, from Arnie, um, was incredible and, and don't get me wrong putting the armband on it it's it, it lifts you as a person as well you know and as a player you just feel like wow I don't know you feel more important for some silly reason and um look it was able to help me as a player and and uh I loved it yeah taking on that role I'm thinking was there a certain level of pressure did you feel uh obviously you felt different you felt great about it but you know how, how was that experience leading the team um, I guess moving forward in, in all the games that you played with them. Yeah, it was it was special. I think for different players, it, like, uh, uh, it can do different things. But for me, I didn't feel the pressure because of the conversations I'd had with Arnie um, about what he wanted from me as the captain. So I just, um, look, I, I loved it. I, I thought it was a huge honour. I looked at the guys um, before me that had captained the club, you know. Um, obviously, Dwight York early on, Mark Rudin. Uh, Steve Corica, Terry McFlynn, these are guys that um, are legends of the club. And I thought, man, I've got some big shoes to fill here if I'm going to do what these guys have done. Um, and just like I said, because they were different in the way that they that they led the teams, um, I, I, I thought that being a captain meant you had to be a certain way. But then when I realised, look, these guys were all different. They were able to be captains in their own way. Um, maybe I don't need to change anything. And... Um, so for me, I didn't feel any any pressure from the way that I had to act or any or ways of uh, the, the fact that I had to change anything. The pressure was more from the fact that the guys that had gone before me were um, great mates of mine, but also great leaders and had done a lot for the club. And I thought, and, and that's where I felt, um, okay, there's a bit of there's a bit of pressure here to to live up to what it means, I guess, to be a captain of Sydney FC. Um, but uh, look, that didn't affect me in any way. That didn't sort of show um, and, and lead me to changing in any way. It's like I said, something that I that I actually cherished and uh, probably brought the best out of me. As the captain, did you um, still play pranks on the team? Yeah, all <laughs> the time. Like I said, Arnie said not to change, so I actually used it as a as a reason to uh, probably step things up from the prank side of things and use the fact that I was captain that no one was going to say anything. <laughs> Yeah, it probably brought the team closer together, let's be honest. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. All right, we'll, we'll, have, we'll share that story for another time. <laughs> so, you know, we could talk about your career achievements, you know, for quite some time, but I can't imagine it for all to be glamorous and, you know, groovy and, and all, all swell. Um, I was wondering if you could share a bit of the struggles that you faced as a, as a player, as an athlete, and how did you cope during those times? Yeah, I think... Um of course, with in, in everyone's career, in everyone's life, there's going to be ups and downs. And for me, as a player, definitely wasn't any different. Like I said already, in the early years when I went overseas, that was that was tough for me, um, being away from home. Um, 
that was very, very tough. And like I mentioned as well, without my wife, it would have been even, even, even harder. And, and um, you know, so I'm thankful for that. But then I think as well throughout my career, um, just decisions you've got to make. I think where you, you know, leaving a certain team, it was hard for me to have to to leave Sydney. Um, you know, when I went to Japan the first time, I, I was so comfortable playing in Australia and playing in Sydney. It was my home club. Um, I guess throughout those few years as well, um, I mean, I won a championship in in those first five years that I was at Sydney, but we also had some difficult times. We, the club went through uh, a few different coaches as well, so there was uh, difficulty around that and, and finding a playing group that, that worked, um, a coach that worked. There, were, there was a lot of difficult times for Sydney FC at that time, and being a part of it, you, you get used to the, uh, or not get used to, but you you know, the, the media side of things as well. Uh, I think when the A-League started was up around when, you know, all your forums and things and social media started to get going. So that was something that is probably more normal for kids these days. But for myself, who wasn't used to it, and I didn't take too well to, you know, criticism and, and reading bad things about me, it, it affected me. When I started uh, reading things online and stuff like that, that really sort of got to me as well to the point where, I just thought, you know what, this is this is going to have a real negative effect on me, and and it does. I can feel it at home when I read something bad. It changes the way I am at home. Um, so I, from the beginning, I mean, I don't have any any social media whatsoever. No Instagram, Facebook. I've never never had it. And for me, it's because it started back then, back when the early days before all all this stuff started. You had basically forums where you'd just read what people were saying about the games you just played. And when I saw the effect that that was having on me, I just thought, you know what, I, I can't have any of this because otherwise it's going to affect me. So I think that's probably a, an important part that we need to probably help kids more with these days because it's just so easy to pick up a phone, log into whatever form of social media, which everyone has, and just see the criticism and the, and the terrible things that are being said about people. It, it can have an effect um, to the point now where we've seen a, a young boy from Melbourne Victory actually sort of not retire, but take some time away from football because of all mm. the uh, the abuse that he's copying online. I think that's something that we probably need to help um, young kids. I, I was lucky for me; I, I never cared too much for social media, so I was able to just not have it, and and that's it. I mean, I look at photos on my wife's Instagram page, and that's enough for me. But um, yeah, I, I I felt like that was something that early on I realised could be very damaging um, to to me on the field, off the field, so I stayed clear of. Um, and then of course as well, I guess there's injuries throughout your career. When I came back from overseas in that second stint and, and being captain, I had a big hamstring injury that um, you know cut short most of one of my seasons. Um, and that was difficult. I think it came to a point where I actually didn't know whether um, I'd, I'd bounce back from it or even return from the surgery that I had. And that was, um, that was yeah, very difficult having those conversations uh, with the physios and the doctors to, um, you know, basically them tell me, look, you've got to have this surgery. This is the only way um, to get you even possibly back out in the field. And then from there, um, it's a flip of the coin. We actually don't know how you're going to respond. Um, there wasn't enough research done into that particular uh, injury and, and recovery to play from the, from the uh, from surgery. So... Um, yeah, I was in the, the hands of the surgeon and my physios who did an incredible job in, in getting me back and actually gave me another 
uh, another three years of football. And, and in those three years, I mean, I won two grand finals, two championships, and yeah, were probably the most enjoyable couple of years of my career. So, um, you know, out of the hard and difficult times came, there, there's always good times um, to look forward to and, and look back on as well. So that mentality that you would have had to have to deal with those injuries, did you feel like your career was over and did you think you'd, you'd get back? And how, how did you actually you know, get through that considering? Yeah, it was difficult um, because I think just the way it happened as well, I remember doing my hamstring in a game. Um, I, after a couple of weeks of rehab, I, it felt good. I came back, uh, played, did it again. Um, and then I had even longer rehab thinking, right, we just probably didn't give it enough time last time. So we gave it even longer. Um, again, I felt good going into it. And I think two games in, I did it again. Um, and it was difficult to understand why it was happening. And I thought, look, just given my age as well, um, given the fact I probably didn't, you know, look after my body as well as I should have in, in those earlier to mid years of my football I was someone who just took for granted the fact that I could run out go out and play not really need to warm up and didn't realize how important that sort of later starts to become um, and if you don't have those habits early it is difficult to all of a sudden have to spend half an hour 40 minutes in the gym before even going out to train then training coming back and spending another 30 40 minutes getting your body ready for the next day that's all difficult. And um, look, I, I just realized that that was something I had to start doing a lot more of. Um, but then the conversation itself with which um, after the surgery was like, all right, well, basically, we, we, let's just wait and see now and hoping almost every, every session that it just didn't go again. And then the more I trained, the more I played. Um, and the fact that we had an incredible physio at, at Sydney FC and an incredible incredible um, staff in terms of getting players, you know, making sure they were fit and ready to go and, and doing everything that they had to to be um, to be able to play at their best. Having that and knowing I had the comfort of those guys behind me, um, eventually that that worry about and, and stress of will I be able to play again just sort of went away. And the longer I went, the better I the better I felt, the stronger I felt. Um, and like I said, I went on to probably be the fittest that I'd ever been in the in the later st stages of my career. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, hearing about that support system with just the team there behind you, that's huge. And it, it, does, it does work wonders, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, so coming to the tail end of the chat today, um, I know you're part of this amazing organisation um, initially, Common Goal, and you were actually one of the first people to join in 2017. I was hoping you'd be able to share with us you know, about that what that initiative is and how you're a part of it and you know, why you support it. Um, well, with me, it sort of started back with Football United where, uh, like I said, Football United was a program that I was able to really connect with um, and meeting Anne, uh, the founder of that program, and just, um, I mean, for anyone who's ever met Anne, she's, she's just got an infectious caring nature that just brings and drives people towards her to help out and um, she's been doing it for that long for, for nothing you know just for the satisfaction of seeing kids that she's able to help um, and and help progress through life and using football to do that um, to then seeing them now coaching other kids coming through um, and just seeing the reward and satisfaction she gets from that is um, is incredible. And, and, and she's someone that you want to be around and you want to help out. And 
and, and realize that everyone can, can do something, you know? And I think the fact that having played football professionally, if it means that, um, you know, showing up to a school or showing up that, that some kids, uh, it, it might do something for kids, um, then that's great. And, and why not help, you know, and, and do a small part? So I think Common Goal came from there where she went um, to Europe to meet with the heads of this organization where, um, it was trying to do what she was doing on a, on a global scale and using footballers from all over the world uh, to come together, donate a, you know, a percentage, uh, which is only 1% of their salary, um, towards you know, uh, social change and using football to, um, for, for whatever program they, uh, they, they wanted basically to, to help out and help out communities and help out you know, struggling youths and, um, and immigrants and, and just use football um, to help create change. And I think um, it's something that no other sport can do because I think the reach, a global reach of football and the fact that you know, you've got these superstars um, all over the world uh, that, that can use this uh, platform, I think, to, to do good and help um, you know, the youth of, of today from all over the world, I thought was, was an incredible thing to be a part of. And um, yeah, I mean, I was one of the lucky uh, few to, to come on in the beginning and, and obviously having Juan Mata on board as pretty much the face of this, um, this movement, uh, that helps as well. You know, that helps to get all pl- more players and more coaches and more people within football um, to do exactly that, to just come together, um, use, you know, come together in terms of donating a portion of their salary um, to help, you know, I guess the, the use of today and, and, and uh, different programs that are out there in each country uh, to help the kids. That's awesome, man. And, you know, definitely need to have a lot more people on board. So if you're an athlete out there listening to this, jump on board to Common Goal 1%. What more can you ask for, man? That's uh, yeah, no, that's that's really awesome to hear. And I think um, looking forward for yourself, uh, what does the future hold for you? You know, considering now that you're retired, you got a bit of time on your hands. Um, yeah, what does the future hold? Um, that's a good question. I've sort of uh, in the beginning, it was easy to answer because I, um, you know, I was fresh out of the game and and just looking for a break. And I wanted pretty much from when I stopped playing, I just wanted a year to to unwind, to be able to um, step away from football a little bit, you know, do a bit of commentary every now and then, go and still see uh, the teammates, um, see how they were going, go and watch them play whenever they played at home and just do all that but at a more relaxed sort of pace and just enjoy being at home with the family, having weekends um, and and just being around and, and doing things that as a professional sportsman you're not able to do. You miss a lot of... Um, family events and gatherings and weddings and things, um, some which you don't mind missing, so it's a bit hard now. <laughs> I've got to go to everything, um, and I don't have an excuse anymore. But yeah, yeah, doing all that stuff, and that, that's what I was looking forward to getting back. Um, and now it's been well, close to a year and a half, and um, I'm sort of stuck in this uh, comfortable, um, I guess, lazy way of being at the moment, and I, and I need to get out of it, but. Um, it's just been hard. I think COVID came in as well and, and hit and it's just been difficult and given everyone an excuse to almost stay home. And um, that's probably not good for me. I need to get out. I need to start doing something. So for the moment, I don't know what the future really holds. I'd like to get back involved with um, with Sydney FC in a, a bit more of a, 
um, more capacity, whether, yeah, how, how that will be, I'm not sure, but I just want to be around more and, and do what I can with the club. Um, a club that obviously gave me so much and I have such a huge attachment with, uh, I'd like to get back involved with them. Um, and that's about it, yeah. I mean, I've been doing some uh, property stuff, which we spoke about earlier. I've been doing that in the background. I think it was important and, and definitely something that was told to us as players um, that you need to plan for life after football. So I, I, I did that about seven, eight years ago. Um, and I've continued, and that was always in the background, and I've continued to do that now um, in terms of, of an income at least. But like I said, I feel like it sort of made me lazy because I'm not the handiest of blokes, so I can't get out in sight and lift a hammer or do anything. So I need to find something <laughs> within football to get me out and, uh, and doing something. So we'll see what that is. Still great advice, though, and I'm sure that if you, you know, if or when you return to the Sydney FC, whether it as a coach or, you know, give some advice to the players, you'd only boost their morale and only make them better. So definitely looking forward to hopefully see you on the pitch again soon. Thanks, mate. Thank you. And, uh, and lastly, you know, um, final words of advice to any of the footballers striving to reach the path that you've taken. What would you say to them? Because I know we do have a few students at some of the schools that we teach who are, you know, really avid footballers. So I was hoping you'd give them some advice and you know, how, how could they, you know, carve the path for themselves? Um, look, I think it's just a fact through what I've said today that it, it's pretty clear that there is no set path or set way. It, it doesn't matter where you come from, what school you go to, who, who you're playing for in your junior football. Every player has, has had their own way and found their own way. So I think the main thing is as a, as a junior footballer, and, and this obviously needs to carry on, throughout your career is just to enjoy it and find that place that makes that makes you happy as long as you're happy you're playing your best football I think if you're not enjoying playing football then why are you playing you know and I think uh, for me anyway um, when I retired it wasn't that I wasn't enjoying playing football it's just that everything else that went into it um, the physical toll that it took on me um, led to me not enjoying it as much as um, as previous years. So I made the decision eventually that, you know, I had to retire. But I think it is such an important part um, of playing football and, and becoming a professional that you have to enjoy it. Otherwise, otherwise it becomes like a, a job that you don't want to be at and it's, and it's not, it, it doesn't help you, it doesn't help anyone. So there's no set path. Do it your own way, enjoy it, um, and just constantly um, look to improve. I think, um, you know, even when I was finish, finishing playing, uh, there was always, I looked at guys in my team, like guys like Ninkovic, who were just incredible footballers and, and just tried to look at ways that I could improve myself, even into my mid-30s. So there's always ways to improve. There's always things you can you can work on. I think work on those things um, and, and just have that, understand that you need at some points as well to make sacrifices to make certain decisions you know um as a teenager growing up i mean there are a lot of things that a couple of friends were you know if they were going out the night before a game i had to play i would have to sacrifice not going and hanging out with my friends just to make sure i got a good night's sleep to be able to perform the next day they're they're small sacrifices that you'll find throughout your career that you'll have to basically make a choice and and i think uh, if you want to be a footballer, um, you know, more often than not, you need to make the right one that's going to benefit your football. Um, so there's, like I said, just enjoy football, understand that there's different ways to make it. Um, there's no set way. You don't have to be playing at this club to, to make it. Um, and that's about it. That is 
absolutely amazing advice and I think one of that touches home for me is when you said if you're not happy while you're doing it why are you doing it so I think that even transcends more than just football it's just anything in life absolutely yeah if you're not happy why are you doing it so definitely a good question to ask ourselves as we move forward and navigate our own journeys through this life so I just want to say a big thank you uh, Alex man for you know having a chat to me today and the creating chances podcast I just wish you all the best for the future and for those of you listening, I hope you've taken definitely something on board because I know I have. So that's us from Creating Chances, man, and hopefully we'll see you in the future again too, Alex. Nah, thanks, mate, and thanks for having a good chat. It's always good to talk about you know different things, the football and then outside as well. So, um, yeah, thanks for having me on the podcast. No worries, man. Appreciate you, bro. All the best. Take care. Thanks. Hopefully you enjoyed today's episode and it has inspired you to keep creating chances. If you want to hear more amazing stories, head on over and subscribe to our podcast feed on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other podcast provider. And if you want to hear more about the work that Creating Chances is doing, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next time on the Creating Chances podcast.